How many people came to church this morning excited about what the Lord was going to say? I was wanting to say, okay, good, good. Or confirm, even better yet, confirm what He's already saying to you, right? So let's pray for Byron here this morning as he comes up here and gets ready to deliver this word. God, we thank you so much for our pastors, God, for Becky and Byron. I just ask for you to pour out blessings on them that they cannot contain, Lord. And we pray, God, that you would speak right now, that you would speak in Byron's heart, you would speak through his mouth. And God, I just ask that you would anoint him to bring forth the word that you have for us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Hey, let's, uh, let's start. We're going to stand up. I want us to pray for our government because they are in a mess right now and they need help from heaven, right? But I want to remind you, first of all, before we pray of this fact, the United States of America, from the very moment, from the very beginning, was when they, these people landed and the, the first pastor of America landed in America, fasted for three days, and then they had a meeting, and he prayed this prayer. He prayed and dedicated the United States to the glory of God and to the preaching of the gospel worldwide. That's our nation's purpose, okay? So what we've got to get in our heart is God hasn't fulfilled that purpose yet. He's not finished. And we need to ask the Lord this morning to, to give the people in charge and the government uh, wisdom and understanding that they would make the right decisions about the economy and other big decisions they're making right now. We don't know what the right decision is. None of us in this room, unless the Lord showed you. Uh, but we need to believe that God's going to speak His heart to our government, our, you know, the president. And we've got to get this, too. We've got to forget. There is, like that lady said, there's nobody coming out of Alaska or anywhere else on this earth that's going to save this nation. Now, I think, you know, we can vote. We need to vote for people that we believe we should and all that. But we really got to look to the Lord. And I believe if we'll call out to the Lord, He'll answer our prayers over this nation. And so just, just agree with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for the United States. Lord, we're so blessed that You've allowed us to be here. And, and we thank You for the great purpose and calling over this nation for Your glory, Lord, and for the preaching of the gospel worldwide. Lord, we want to be a part of that. Lord, we don't believe the, the mission is over with. We don't believe we've completed, completed it yet. So, God, we, in, in light of that, Lord, not in light of, of all the error and all the fumbling around that we've done as a nation and the, and the sin we've gotten into, but in light of Your purpose and calling over our nation, we pray and ask You today to give the government, give the president and all the people that are involved in, in making these uh, critical decisions right now about the economy and about the bailout and about this and about that and, Lord, the elections and all the critical things that are before us. God, we call out to heaven. Lord, You'd come down. You'd fall down. You'd release wisdom. You'd release mercy on this nation again. Lord, we ask You for another chance. Lord, we ask You, God, to forgive us. God, we ask You to turn the tables, Lord. Turn the tables, Lord. Turn it, Lord, and allow us to finish Your, your mission. Allow us, Lord, to finish the calling. Allow us, Lord, to be a nation that cares for the poor, Lord, and loves the, the down and out, Lord, and, and, and sends, the, and sends in the missions to the world, Lord, and supports the missions in all the world. God, we ask You for that this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.
Lord, we just want to bless the United States. Lord, there's been so many things that have been said against us. And we've used, and so we, we agree with that song, God bless America. We ask that you'd bless the United States of America. Bless the government, Lord. Thank you for our government, Lord. Just thank you, Father. We trust you for these elections coming up. Pray that you would expose what needs to be exposed in this hour, Lord. But, Lord, in the end, regardless of who is elected, Lord, we choose today to put our eyes on you. You're our king. You're our God. And without you, we're dead, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. That was good. <laughs> hey, man, that song. Wow, that You Won't Relent song. Do you have it all? Isn't that something? Very powerful song. I want to tell you about my latest uh, little encounter with the Lord that happened Wednesday night. And we were just enjoying the Lord Wednesday night, soaking in the presence of God. And, and I, we were singing that song, and I saw a cloud coming at me as I was laying there. And I knew that cloud was the Holy Spirit. And I knew what He was saying to me at that moment, that He was not finished, that He was wanting more access to my heart and to my mind, that the Holy Spirit was saying, I'm not finished, I'm not through. I want more of you, I want to do more. And I believe that's really God's heart this morning is to tell us that He is not finished. And the Lord is really, He's like the perpetual motion machine. He does not give out, He does not get tired. He can outlast us. And I feel like that's sort of what He does in my life. He just says, well, I'll just outlast you. You, know, you can fight all day and resist all day, but in the end, I'm going to win because i got all the energy there is. In fact, I created the energy, and, and you don't. <laughs> so I really want to encourage you. Man, the Lord really is good. And isn't the Holy Spirit wonderful? Yeah. Hey, you know, the one of the things that God's done in my life that I really, really appreciate is I really love the Holy Spirit a whole bunch. In fact, I've concluded something. I've concluded that... He really is the most important per person on the earth, the Holy Spirit. He is the most important person on the earth. And we underemphasize the Holy Spirit. We underemphasize Him. I don't care how much we emphasize Him, we underemphasize Him. Because if He's the most important person on the earth, and I'm telling you that, Jesus is not on the earth. The Father is not on the earth, but the Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of Christ. And He really wants us to love Him more. He really wants us to not grieve Him. And He wants us to not quench Him. And He wants us to begin to believe Him when He talks to us. And I, I just really want to encourage you, man. I tell you, it's, it's good. Amen? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord. So, Lord, don't relent. Amen. I love that song because the part in there, you set me as a seal upon my arm, upon my heart. When we got married 30-something years ago, somebody gave us a little plaque with that scripture on it. So I have, we still have that plaque. And that sort of makes me think about Becky. And it makes me think about the Holy Spirit now. So I got a double blessing. Yeah, she was... She's telling the truth. She was decided she was backing out, and that girl made that plaque, and she figured she couldn't because she made the plaque. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for the plaque, right? <laughs> I don't know. She's saying the Lord for the plaque, but 
Hey, I wanted to read a little bit to you from Ephesians. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Uh, bless, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Um, I was remembering something that Bob Mumford said a long time ago. For those who don't know, Bob Mumford was a famous preacher in the 70s, Bible teacher. And he said there's nothing more futile than to pray for a Messiah who had already come. Speaking of the Jewish nation, you know, them slamming their heads against the wall, praying that God would send the Messiah who he sent and they missed. And I thought, man, that statement made such an impact on me. But I've realized something, that we have a certain amount of futility in our lives because we're asking God to do things that God's already done. Right here, Paul has made a very clear statement that God has already blessed us, has, past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing that there is in the heavenly places in Christ. In other words, God has given us everything that we're ever going to get. We're not, he's not, he does not have anything else to give, and that's really the truth. And I think one of the greatest prayers that we could pray is, Lord, show me the things in my life, the obstacles, the hindrances in my life for me coming in to everything that you already have for me in the Lord Jesus Christ because, I've, but I, because I already possess it all. I'm sitting on the gold mine of gold mines, yet we really don't realize, and I believe the Lord's going to do a revival. And I think the revival, imagine a church that believed that. Imagine a church that really started really believing this and really started walking in it. That would be the most profound revival that we could ever have. It's just simply believing what we already have and living in the power of everything that we've already been given in Christ. And I believe God, that's where He's going to take us to. I believe He's, he's taking us there. And uh, I wanted to tell you about Ephesians for just a second. I know I probably told you all this before, but I love Ephesians, okay? If you go and look in Acts 19, there's revivals in the Bible. And most people think about the great revival that happened in Acts 2 at Pentecost when the birth of the church. But there was actually a revival that a lot of... Uh, a different kind of revival. A lot of historians believe the great, one of the greatest or possibly the greatest revival in the New Testament was the revival that happened at Ephesus. And, it's, and when you read Acts 19, you don't think in terms of revival. This revival actually started. There were 12 men, and these men had been baptized into the baptism of John the Baptist. Okay? Paul showed up, showed up in Ephesus and, and, and engaged these men and basically wound up rebaptizing them in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he laid hands on them, and the Bible says these men began to speak in tongues and prophesy. Okay? And out of that 12 men, a church of 50,000 people was born. A church of 50,000 people. At one time, that, there was 50,000 people in that church back in those ancient times. And a couple of the noted, notable pastors of that church, the Apostle John was one of the pastors of that church at one time. Timothy was a pastor of that church, the church at Ephesus. In fact, the, Paul's letter to Timothy is when Timothy was writing, when Timothy was pastoring that church and they were coming under intense persecution. And Paul was trying to encourage him about how to deal with the situations he was facing, a church under, under pressure. But uh, this, this revival was, was traumatic. A couple of things that happened that really are fascinating is one was Paul the... You know how we get the prayer cloth thing? You know, we're going to pray over this cloth and send it off. Well, that actually happened. It began with Paul there. It said aprons from his body. They would take it, 
take these aprons or these uh, cloths from his body, I guess the aprons, and go put it on people, and people would be healed. Another uh, incident that happened there was, it was the, uh, the deliverance incidents where these seven sons of Sceva, a high priest, these guys were casting out demons in the name of the Lord Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demons jumped these seven sons of Sceva, beat them so bad, took all their clothes off of them, and threw them out into the street. Can you imagine that? That would been a rough day, man. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but you know what? Uh, that thing really caught people's attention, and people began to repent. And uh, there was a time where it says the believers came, and they were really into idol worship there and doctrines of demons. They had books and stuff. And they had a big bonfire one night, and they burned books and articles and stuff that they had, ornaments and stuff they had that was worth 50,000 pieces of silver. 50, that's a lot. Of, wouldn't you like to have 50,000 pieces of silver today? A lot of, a lot of stuff was burnt that day. Just a profound revival. And then probably one of the greatest things on that revival was it affected the economy of that place. The revival was so powerful that it affected the economy. Now, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to see a move of God that affects our economy? Now, that's what a revival is on. Now, what happened was, was people quit buying these artifacts and these things, and the people who made the artifacts got upset and created a, a riot. <laughs> it was a bad scene in one way. But they were creating a riot because they were losing money, because the people had, been re had repented and turned away from what they were doing and began to follow God. And that's how much havoc the move of God created, good havoc. Positive. And see, God really wants to bring a revival like that. I believe that, wouldn't that be wonderful if we saw a move of God that was so powerful in America that not what our government did, not what our government did, but what the Holy Spirit does affects the literal economy of a nation. It happened in the Welsh Revival. You know, the, I mean, I love sports, but people quit going to football. You know, what they, it ain't real football, you know, it was soccer. <laughs> Football's what the NFL, man. I mean, I don't know where these people get that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> they use their feet. That's why they call it football. But people quit going to the games. People quit going to pubs. You know, and the money that they were spending on that began to go into the kingdom, began to go into caring for the poor, going into the funding, preaching of the gospel, funding the missionaries. That's the kind of revival God's looking for. That's a move of God that God wants to bring. So that was a, a revival at Ephesus. That's really what happened. So Paul writes a letter later in life to this, to the, to this church, to the Ephesian church. And he, uh, if you notice, this is, I love this letter. This is why I love it. It's the only letter that Paul wrote, and you've got to love this. If you was a pastor, you would love it, where he wasn't addressing a problem in the church. Ephesians addresses no problem. Now, you think about it. Galatians, he's writing the Galatians church. They're into legalism. He's writing the Corinthians church. They're into sexual immorality. They're into cliques. They're into crazy. I mean, they were just a bunch of nuts. They were misusing spiritual gifts. Oh, and people ask, people complain about their being, well, there's problems in the church. What's wrong with the church? Read the Bible. <laughs> there's always been problems in the church. When we show up, we bring our problems. The church is not a perfect place. So the Bible gives me a lot of comfort when we have issues in the church, okay? Because I look in the Bible and there's sometimes worse issues than what we face. But this particular church, Paul did not have to address a problem. He was saying, here's my, here's my vision for church. 
Here's my vision for Christianity. Here's my vision for what your life should look like as a believer on this wor- in this world. So it's a very powerful and very encouraging book. Uh, so Paul tells them right off from the start, listen, you've already got everything. God's already blessed you with every blessing that He's ever going to bless you with. But then he kicks down in verse 16, and he prays for them. Okay? And he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayer. So Paul is praying for them based on what he had just told them. Okay? They need, I, he told them something, and I'm going to pray for you so you can see this. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, everybody say Father of glory. I just noticed that word glory in there this week for the first time ever. I was thinking, where would, you know, I've never seen that. It's like, almost like God put it in there and my, slipped it in my Bible. It wasn't there before. So, but hang on to that word glory. The Father glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. In other words, to know Him, to have this real living relationship. Now, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened so that you will know. And, okay, so that, that's what he was praying. You, you know, you've, you've got to have these eyes of your heart open to be able to see what the blessings are. If, if, you see what I'm saying? If you don't get your eyes of your heart open, you can't tell what God has for you. It's just impossible to do. In other words, here's the thing about it like this. Everything that exists in this world is here because of something in God's world. In the spiritual world, there's something in the, there's a spiritual world that makes this world Okay? And for us to be able to even understand what's going on in this world, we cannot really understand what's going on in this world unless we see, see it spiritually first. It's impossible. It, it really is impossible. We cannot really understand the political system and what's going on in politics really right unless our, the eyes of our heart are open and we can begin to see what... That's what this lady that gave this prophecy... Isn't that incredible? She gave a prophecy in July about what's going to happen in September. She saw into the spiritual realm... And was, and was able to explain to us now, these are some things are, that are going to happen. And God wants to open people's eyes to be able to see, not only for what's going on in the world, just what's going on in your life. You cannot judge what's going on in your life if all you're doing is looking at it from a natural perspective. You, you know, it's just impossible. We had to see it spiritually. So Paul prayed, listen, y'all, we need to get the eyes of these hearts opened. That you can, so you can begin to see the blessings that you already have, see the things that God has already given you. Because if you don't see them, you can't take advantage of them. You know, if you had a couple million dollars in the bank and nobody told you, it wouldn't do you any good, right? You'd just be loaded and wouldn't know it. But if somebody told you, hey, look at this. Here's a bank card, and behind it is $2 million. Your life would instantly change, right? Well, spiritually, our lives need to instantly change because of what God has already put in us. So he prayed on that, you know, that they would know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and whether it surpasses the greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So, so the key is God wants to open our eyes to see what we already have in Christ, to see how wealthy, wealthy we are in Jesus. That would be the life-changing experience for everybody in this room. It's all of a sudden you discovered everything that you have in Christ and you realize, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I'm awesome. That's what you think. This is awesome. I'm walking around with something powerful. I'm walking around with something in me. All right. And God wants to convince us of that. He's out to convince the church of that. Let's read Isaiah 60, 
1 through 5, Isaiah 61. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me on this? It says, this is the title. It says, A Glorified Zion. Okay, now this is, this is a glorified Zion. We're Zion. We're the Zion of God, the people of God. Hebrews 11, 22, Romans 9, the last couple of verses in it. I think Galatians uh, indicates this. And this is really great what he says here. He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. He didn't say, Arise, shine, for your light will come. He said, Arise, shine, your light's already here. Okay, now, see, we're looking for something to come, right? We're looking for some, some dynamic thing to happen. We're looking for some revelation to happen. And the Bible's saying, don't look for that. It's already come. Your light is already here. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In other words, the glory is already upon us. But we don't see it. And why don't we see it? Because we're using the natural eyes. And, without, and with the natural eyes, you can't see the glory. Most of the time. Every once in a while, God may manifest the glory in different ways. But I'm going to tell you something. The manifestations of the natural glory that people can perceive with their eyes is not the most important thing. That's God just trying to help a bunch of people who are just stuck in the natural. He's just, that's Him just trying to help us see something that already exists in the spiritual. The most important thing, the Bible says, God's glory is already on us. And he wants to convince us of that. So at times he will, you know, like release gold dust or people see lights, auras over people. Y'all ever seen that stuff? There's a picture, a famous picture of A.A. No, not A.A. What was that other guy's name? Come on, somebody help me. Branham. There's a picture of him with an aura around him. It was an old-timey picture where they couldn't manipulate him back in those days. But God does that really to encourage us that this is, it's already, y'all got auras on you. Oh, they're talking about auras in church. Oh, my gosh, is this a new age church? Ch- you know, chatter, 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 let me chew on it. They've gotten off. No, listen, they stole that from us. We're just getting back what belongs to us. The glory belongs to the church, not some new age bunch. You know, God, you know, they used a rainbow as their symbol. We already had the rainbow. It's our rainbow. And we've let them have it and got scared about it. You know? I mean, we need to tell people we ain't New Age if you're saying stuff like that just so they'll know. I'm not New Age, by the way. I'm, holy, I'm, a, I'm a Holy Ghost guy. You know? That's who I am now. All right, so the Lord has risen upon you for behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. I think we pretty much could agree that's happened, Right? I mean, it's pretty dark in these days. So that's happened. But the Lord will rise upon you and His glory will appear upon you. Nations, now here's what's going to happen. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of who's rising? You're rising. Nations are going to come to your rising, not to God doing something else. It's when the people of God rise up, arise and shine. Arise and shine is what he says, and, and the nations will then come because you have risen into what you already possess in Christ. And when you do that, the glory is going to get released out of your life. And people are going to see it, and people are going to come to the church and see that the church is beautiful instead of all the things you hear bad about the church these days. 
Then it says, Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar, and your daughters will be carried in the arms. I'm not sure whose arms they are, but God's arms. And see, that's what's going to happen. If you have family members, children, people you love that are away from the Lord, God's going to bring them back. When we rise up, when we begin to rise and release who we are in Christ already, it is going to draw the prodigal sons and daughters. I know, that's, I know by experience that's the truth. That's how you get them in. You can't beat them in. You can't talk them in, convince them to come in. But when they see the glory of God on you, they're going to want it. When the world sees the glory of God on the church, they're going to want it. And God is intending to convince us that we have it. He's already been given to us. It's already, we already possess it in Christ. And he's saying, well, you've got to stand up now and begin to release it. And this is really good, man. Then you will, you will see and be radiant, and your heart will thrill and rejoice. That's a good day when you're thrilling and rejoicing. Because the abundance of sea will be turned to you, the wealth of the nations will come to you. Now, we've all heard about the transfer of wealth, Right? Everybody's been preaching that for you. And that's a great word, and I believe it's a very biblical word. But the transfer of wealth is going to happen when the people of God rise up and let the glory shine through them. It's not to make us wealthy. It's to preach the gospel to the nations, send missionaries, care for the poor. That's what that wealth is going to be for the kingdom. And God's going to do it. I'll tell you He's going to do it. But He's looking for a people who will begin to believe what the Bible already says and begin to say, I'm going for it. I'm going to step out of my little box. I'm going to step out of my little world. I'm going to believe that God's glory resides on me already. God's, I have been given this blessing. I have this treasure in me. I'm going to step out and let that thing come forward in my life. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit have me in a full way. Remember we said uh, the Father of glory. Let's read Exodus 33. Are y'all still good? Exodus 33, you know, Moses was in a mess. He was in the wilderness. It was a tough day for Moses. He was trying to lead a bunch of difficult people, uh, and he was really needing something from the Lord. And Moses said, said, I pray, Exodus 33, 18, 19, I pray you show me your glory. So Moses was asking to see the glory of God. And the Lord said, I myself will make my goodness all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. So God, Moses asked for the glory and the Lord said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pass before you and reveal my glory to you. Okay, you're going to get to see it. And he said, but you can't see my face. He hit him in a rock just to keep, keep from dying. Uh, and then in, down in Exodus 34, 5 through 7, let's read that, and it describes the glory of the Lord. Now, I want you to get this. We're thinking the glory is something else. But the way God, when God said, I'm going to reveal my glory, that's what He wanted us to see about the glory. Okay? Now, I'm telling you, I'm into that stuff. I've had it happen to me. I've had gold dust on my hands. But that is not what the Bible did. When God wanted to reveal His glory, He didn't do gold dust. Okay? If he does go with us, that's good. In fact, my daughter came home one time, and I'll never forget this. She came home in the youth group. She was excited beyond measure. Dad, the Lord was really moving in the youth group tonight. There's this gold dust. Look at my hands. And she had gold all over her hands. 
I said, oh, man, I, was, I had a bad shoulder at that moment. I had messed my shoulder up in high school playing baseball, and I had acted the fool and threw something and messed it up again. It was, it was bad. I said, put your hand on my shoulder, Grace, and pray for me. She put my, her hand on my shoulder, and my shoulder was instantly healed. I mean, it was a miracle because it was hurting. You know, it was an instant miracle, miraculous thing. So I'm not saying those things. I mean, I like those things. If you got them, go for it, man. If you got them, come put your hands on me. I, I would love that. But let me just tell you this. There's another glory that we already have right now. And it's what God revealed that day, okay, when he passed before Moses. Are you all with me on that? It says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed. I don't know why I was saying all that stuff about that. Because don't, trust me, I'm for that stuff. Okay, I really am. I I don't want to be against it on any level. Whatever God wants to do. You know, if he wants to take and just dump a bunch of feathers on us right now, I'm happy. Yeah, dump them, Lord. God can do whatever he wants to. Okay, if he, I don't care what he does. We shouldn't care. If he does something, we just say, oh, good, God's doing that today. Whatever that means, let's have fun with that, you know. Because God is really a happy God. And God's in a good mood. So whatever he does, we should be able to enjoy it. But I believe God really wants us to see something about ourselves that we already have. It, he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. So this is how the Lord revealed himself to Moses. Uh, he listed these things. Uh, he listed his name as the covenant name of God, the Lord, the Lord. He listed graciousness, compassion, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, truth, forgiveness. That's the glory of God that God has already released upon us. God has put a graciousness on us. God has put a compassion on us. God has forgiven us. God has released a truth on us. God has given us a promise, a covenant promise about himself that he won't renege on. He wants us to see those things about himself reside on us already. They're on us, and they are the glory that's on the church. Um, I was watching Daystar television the other night, and there was an old-timey preacher on there preaching. I mean, he was old-timey preacher. We're talking old-timey Pentecostal preacher. Is a man named T.L. Lowry. I'd never heard of him. But old T.L. was just tooth-and-nail preacher. I mean, you know, he was a Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, down-on-the-ground down preacher. But he was, and he was doing that, you know, preaching that old good old message of... The, and this guy's a history of miraculous things that have happened... And he's preaching, and he was preaching, and then he began to do ministry, and people were just getting just slammed on in this meeting. It was about 30 or 40 people in this meeting. It was a studio audience. They were just getting slammed in there. I mean, there were people all over the floor. People were getting healed. and I mean, it was looking like a pretty good old time, okay? I mean, that's the way it was looking to me. They are having a big old time. They were having a Holy Ghost blowout meeting, you know? And, and, uh, but Marcus Lamb, who is the guy who founded Daystar, who really, Marcus Lamb is a... Mark, have y'all, I don't know if y'all know from here. Mar, I heard Marcus Lamb preach one time, and Marcus Lamb read, quoted entire chapters of the Bible. 
I mean, he don't even need a Bible when he preaches. He's got so much of the Bible. It was, he's this amazing guy. And he's, you know, I, I'm impressed with him. And, of course, he's built this network, Daystar Television, which is a Christian television. But Marcus got up there and said, the glory of God is in here. And I'm sitting there looking, where's the glory? I don't see no glory. Where is it? I'm looking for some burst of light or some angelic being to be, you know, or something, the Lord Himself. I'm, where is it? I don't see it. Maybe the television cameras are, are deluding it. But the truth is, the glory was in there because God was forgiving people of sin. God was healing people. God was showing compassion. He was revealing His love to people. That was the glory. That was the glory that was there. And God wants us to see that we have that glory right now. We're a people of glory right now, today. And we're carrying glory in us. And the, I guess the pie on the cake is, is when we do see the angels. And when we do see the light. Like I saw that cloud the other night. That was glorious to see a cloud. I knew it was the Holy Spirit coming as a cloud. But I don't always see them like that. In fact, 99.9% of the time, I don't see the Holy Spirit. But I can feel Him. I can feel His love. I can feel His grace. I can feel His compassion. Because that's on us. And God wants us to know, you and I have that. You and I have that. We have this. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Are y'all okay? Do y'all believe this? God really wants us to get into this stuff, man. It says, God who said, light shall shine out of the darkness is the one who has shone in our hearts. The Lord shining in our hearts. Shining through our hearts. To give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God wants to release that. God wants to release that glory in the earth. And He wants a people to do it. I'm telling you, God's such a, He's such in a happy mood. I, I can't... God's happy. He's not mad. He's not like, like I say, you know, he's slow to anger. How many people have a problem with their temper in here? Raise your hand. Tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> I have a problem. I've got my hand right. I get mad. Yes, beg. I got a terrible temper, man. But I'll tell you this God doesn't have a temper. And if you have a temper, you have the glory of slow to anger in you. And if you will allow it, It'll manifest when you want to man, when you want to have a temper. It'll you let that thing come out, and it'll be instead of getting mad on the drop of a dime, it won't get mad on the drop. It'll be slow. It'll be patient. It'll wait around. You know, because most of the time when you lose your temper, you feel like a fool. There, like I was wrong. <laughs> I should have waited. <laughs> I made a bad call there. The Bible says in Romans three twenty three, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen sin short of graciousness of long-suffering, of compassion, of loving... That's, that's what it's talking about. We've all fallen. That's where, we've, that's where our sins are. But see, God hasn't fallen short. And God's looking for a people in the earth that start believing Him. Now, that's the truth. God's looking for a people. And you and I are those people. If we want to see the revival, I believe the revival, this would be the greatest revival that could ever happen if suddenly a people became into a reality. Oh, my gosh. I am carrying the compassion of Christ with me, and I have the ability to release His compassion into the earth. I do. I don't have to have some special deal. I do just because I'm part of Him, and He's part of me, and He lives inside of me. 
And everybody in this room can do that. It's not just for the special. You know, some people are going to have different talents and different emphasis, but everybody in here can release. And I'll tell you what happens. When you do that, the pleasure of God rises in your heart. You feel His pleasure. You sense His pleasure. I'm going to finish with Romans 8, 19. Are you okay? Romans 8, 19. Imagine this. You're going to walk out the door. There's two Japanese red maples on one side or the other. Have you ever thought what those Japanese red maples are thinking as you walk out the door? They're thinking something. You know, it says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eager, eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Have you ever thought, you go walk, oh, here they come into church. I can just imagine those red maples. Oh, here they come. Maybe today when they come out, they won't come out the way they went in. Maybe when I see them come out this time, I'm going to see. Those people actually believe that they are a son of glory because they have a father of glory. Can you just imagine them saying, Hey! <laughs> You've been in there 50 times! <laughs> Please reveal him. Creation is longing for us, me and you, we, me, you know, just us, to manifest the glory of God in the earth. It's waiting on us. All creation is. The stars are. The atmosphere. The air. Everything is looking at us saying, when are the people of God going to do this thing that has happened already one time in the earth? It did happen one time. One time there was one man who walked in the earth and revealed the glory. And it was the Lord himself. Jesus. And nobody's done it perfectly since then. People have done it here and there. Every once in a while we squeak out a little bit. (laughs) But God's looking for people who will do that. And what we had to begin with is, Lord, I've got it in me. Your glory is on me. Your light has already come for me. And I want to release it. I want to begin to release that light. I want to begin to release that glory. Amen? So let this little light of yours shine on. And remember this, God is happy. God is not sad this morning. He's in a good mood. So we asked the Lord, to, uh, many of you said that you wanted to hear God speak to us this morning, right? How many people feel like you got something the Lord is really speaking to you? All right, let's stand up, and uh, we're just going to seal that word this morning. And uh, if anybody needs prayer, I'll tell you something. Byron was talking about the gold dust and healings and miracles. All those things are just a byproduct of the compassion, of the grace, of the mercy of God. So if you need healing in your body this morning, you can come forward as, as we dismiss. And uh, we're going to pray for you. God's going to touch your body. If you've got other issues you want prayer for, there will be some people up here to pray with you as our ministry team comes up here. Let's have a few people up here. So let's just pray this prayer. God, I just ask you to seal this word in our hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Just seal it now all over this place that the glory of God that you have already revealed, that already resides on us, God, let it out. Lord, help us to let it out and bring it forth, God. Let it come forth. Let it rise within our hearts, Lord, that the world may know the glory of your name, that you are the awesome God, the one true God, Lord. We just thank you for that this morning, God. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can stay and worship for a few minutes or be dismissed. Be blessed. We'll be here to pray for you.